Content warning, this podcast contains mentions of queerphobia, transphobia, police violence, and self-harm. All right, everyone. Hi there. My name is Hannah. My pronouns are they, them, and you're listening to another episode of Queer Sounds, a podcast on queer folks. Favorite tunes. Um, today, we travel to uh, the part in Western Europe that is uh, the part of Eastern Europe, I'm sorry, that uh, for us Western European people is mostly known for its um, lovely Mediterranean beaches and um, all-inclusive hotels calling in from turkey it's ildis hi there hi hannah how are you doing today well it's a great day i got vaccinated at last and i'm feeling healthier all right um no no side effects so far uh i feel a little bit dizzy but i think that's the cost of being healthy Right. Um, congratulations on getting your vaccination. And, uh, you know, if you're listening and you're not entirely sure if you want to get vaccinated, like I, I would recommend it. Um, a, a quick look on your Twitter account, Ildiz. A, a big Loki fan. Um, is that is that just a current thing or is that something that has been the case throughout the entire history of the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Yes, definitely. I think Loki is the like most genius and the most interesting character uh, in the like uh, Marvel comics. I, I was uh, actually a Marvel comics fan before the MCU, and when the MCU came, uh, I became a huge fan of Loki, and I was always like begging to let Loki win. Uh, at the end, uh, Loki died, uh, but now we have a chance to see uh, Loki again uh, in the uh, like a new series and. I'm really waiting for to see some like Lady Loki and also see some more implications on Loki's like gender fluid identity. I'm not trusting Disney, but uh, I hope uh, this won't be a, another queer baiting, uh, but we will see, I think. All right. Yeah, I was I actually that was the next question I've got written down. Like, are you a fan of the series, the movies or just the character? And, you know, I'm not surprised at all. The answer is the the the gender fluid evil being themselves. Um, I mean, I've got to be completely honest. I've only seen one Marvel ah. movie in the entire history of Which time. Which one? But that's just I think it was Avengers. Maybe I've also seen Thor, like the first one, but it's been it's been like a good six years. Uh, I'm just not very much of a movie person. But uh, but but but do you do you do you identify with Loki a little bit? Like, do you recognize yourself in them? Kind of, actually. I always loved like the evil anti-hero characters, and Loki is like the god of mischief, like the basic definition of the evil and Loki is kind of the neglected uh, uh, child and uh, there is always this Thor which is amazing with that muscles, with that golden hair, with that all power and warrior and there is Loki uh, 
who is not that powerful, who is not that known for that strength, but a trickster who is having fun pranking people and also who is just uh, a very like uh, master sorcerer uh, who were told by uh, their uh, mother uh, actually. So th that story relates to me a lot uh, in a way. It is like... Uh, seeing myself in that screen and also Loki uh, ha has just uh, faced a lot like lost a lot uh, Loki lost uh, their mother uh, in the like uh, Loki uh, Thor 2 uh, Dark World which was Loki's fault by the way and that caused another uh, problem Loki was always asking for like Thor's respect and trust and never seen that uh, actually and Odin which is i think the like the uh, one of the worst characters in the MCU Odin is like the king of the bastards and king of all the jerks uh, who <laughs> who's just don't, don't understands Loki but still don't do anything and he actually manipulates Loki but at the end Loki sends uh, Odin uh, to a uh, uh, senile house in New York which is i think the uh, the best act of Loki, sending uh, Odin uh, to New York to a senile house. Without uh, without getting too deep into the entire MCU and corresponding mythologies, uh, you already mentioned briefly overcoming adversity and, and um, you know, facing a lot, but learning from it and moving on and coming out stronger. I feel like that would be a nice segue to talk about your own childhood and and your own personal history but first uh let's dive into track number one which also really fits that uh that theme it's a track called mazala by bulanterzoi Orgi bi yanaşlar yıkılmış gönlüm ne adaklara da boşuna kaçışlar sel gibi yaşlar çileli ömrümde doldu sayfalar e daha dur daha dur daha dur daha dur daha dur daha dur at yazarsa olur hem kul hem de pul Yananı görür Allah, e görür inşallah. Çaresi yoktur mazallah. Yananı görür Allah, Allah e görür inşallah, inşallah. Çaresi yoktur mazallah Yananı görür Allah Allah E görür inşallah Çaresi yoktur mazallah E daha dur daha dur Daha dur daha dur Daha dur daha dur At yazarsa olur Hem kul hem de pul Çiftte 
görür inşallah. İnşallah. Çaresi yoktur maşallah. Yananı görür Allah Allah. E görür inşallah inşallah. Çaresi yoktur maşallah. Yananı görür Allah Allah. E görür inşallah. Çaresi yoktur maşallah. Yananı görür Allah Allah. E görür inşallah inşallah. Çaresi yoktur so uh, why did you uh, pick this track specifically? Well, Lantarsoy is like the diva. And um, when I was a child, when I was uh, struggling with my uh, like sexuality and gender and any kind of that issues, I remember Lantarsoy because... Uh, she was uh, the diva of the whole country, but at the same time, uh, like my mother and father uh, was uh, uh, just very anxious about my love to Blantarsoy. And Blantarsoy uh, was also a joke uh, in our home and uh, in the like neighborhoods. And there were always jokes about her and her gender and um, she be, uh, being a trans woman uh, was a big issue. But uh, still I could see that uh, when she started singing, she could like uh, have a like magic uh, going on. And everyone was just listening to her and saying, Oh my God, look at that voice. And she is like the diva of the old divas. And she's actually uh, one of the biggest uh, singers in uh, the country. Uh, and she's very uh, known for her knowledge on the classical Turkish music. And uh, this song actually, Mazala, is one of the lightest uh, songs of her. But it is a kind of a, a reflection to the society. It is a little bit hedonistic. Uh, like in the uh, clip, uh, I, I was child when the clip was on. Uh, she's like having with that all gorgeous man's around her, and uh, she is having a bath in a milk, and she, she is. Uh, you can see that she is the sultan of that environment, and that affected me a lot because um, I was a very lonely child. I grew up in uh, Bursa, Sadun Marmara city, which is very close to the uh, Istanbul, but not Istanbul. And Bursa was once the capital of Ottoman uh, Empire. And uh, still uh, in Bursa, you can feel uh, that uh, spirit of empire, which is uh, the collaboration of Turkishness and uh, collaboration of uh, Islam. And that environment was not very friendly uh, to me, uh, actually. Uh, I was a lonely child that everyone was mocking. Uh, and um, that caused me to create another realm, another realm of books, another realm of movies and another realm of songs. And Blantarsoy was uh, the uh, like the mother sultan of every realm with uh, her that power. And I was just starstruck when I first saw her. It was uh, kind of seeing that um, I won't be always alone. Uh, and I won't be always weak and I won't always cry and a day will come and I will be a diva like uh, her and uh, there will be gorgeous men around me and uh, I will be uh, in a like hedonistic parties and ha having my life, which became true, by the way. Um, so 
this track specifically is from 1997. Her career has spent like a, across multiple multiple decades, almost 50 years at this point. Um, was it difficult to pick like this specific tune? Yes, yes, it was difficult to just um, pick this song. Uh, but I w wanted to just uh, have a, a song that really affected me. Uh, and uh, that really a little bit queer, by the way. Like usually uh, Lantarsoy's uh, songs are very classical and they are not, uh, they are very uh, strict. And she has a, a voice and a discipline that uh, singing the song in a certain manner. But in this song, we see that she let loose of herself. She becomes someone else. She's having fun. Uh, and she is not that uh, strict person anymore. So th that was the reason. And with her career, actually, in the 70s was her rise. Like, she was actually mm, in everywhere. And she had a rivalry with, uh, actually, a frenemy stat uh, like status with uh, Zeki Muran, a queer artist, although he never come out but uh, still and um, in that the, there was that kind of rivalry which is very close like John Crawford and Betty Davis kind of thing uh, but after the coup at 80 uh, she was banned from performing and um, she had to move to uh, like if I'm not wrong UK uh, she was there for a decade actually she got arrested in Turkey there is a iconic photo of her she is just uh, there with a, a very uh, chic clothes and a chic scarf and two soldiers are taking her somewhere but when you look at the photo you are seeing that power and she returned uh, at 90s and she started to uh, rebuild her empire and uh, that, that that is why I picked that song I didn't want to pick a song from the 70s I didn't want to pick a song from that 80s turmoil, but a song that she regained her power. Right, yeah, from uh, what I've gathered, um, I've, I've listened to uh, a podcast in which other people also talk about Bülent Tersoy, and um, what, they, what they taught me about her is roughly that, you know, she was there in Turkey, she was popular, she was out in, in, in trance, then after that, uh, like uh, around the coup, they uh, changed some legislation there specifically targeted at her because, oh my, a publicly out trans person, we don't want that. Like, is, how, is, is that too short-sighted or is that actually what your view of it is as well? Well, that is the, uh, I think, actual story. Uh, after 80s, uh, the uh, military uh, regime uh, just changed the law and there was a ban uh, saying that uh, there, there won't be any uh, men uh, clothing in women's dress, homosexuals, etc. in the uh, like performing in the bars and uh, many other places. But the, ironically, uh, most of the uh, trans women singers uh, at those times, they had uh, just uh, changed their gender in the 
That's not the correct term, but uh, they, they, they were under gender reassignment processes for a long time, but uh, they were also the target of that. And uh, there is some horrific stories from there. It was not a ba- only a ban on the uh, performance scene, but um, an oral history uh, project in Turkey revealed that uh, most of the trans women and Uh, some flamboyant gay actress, uh, queer people, uh, they were put, in, uh, they were uh, taken into custody. They were tortured, actually, uh, very in a very specific way. They... Yeah, let's let's not get too detailed on this because yeah, yeah, that, that, it can be a little bit triggering. And uh, there are other stories too, like uh, they were actually put. It's not that triggering, I think. Uh, they put uh, like the uh, performers in a trains, and they were uh, just uh, taking them outside of the city, uh, Istanbul. So it was really harsh times. And uh, after she got arrested, she had to uh, go to UK. But when the military regime was over, and uh, there was a new elected regime. Um, this is a story. I don't know whether it is true or not, uh, but uh, there wasn't any law in Turkey uh, just regulating a gender reassignment process. Uh, but uh, the uh, prime minister's wife, uh, Turgut Özal's wife, uh, Semra Özal, was a fan of uh, Bülent Ersoy. And in order to let her come back to the country, They changed the law and uh, we had a, a law in in the early 90s that allows people to legally uh, just um, change uh, the uh, like uh, change their legal documents after a, like gender reassignment process. So she, she she is actually the reason that now most of the trans uh, people uh, can access to uh, legal uh, mechanisms uh, for their reassignment process. Yeah, that's actually really impressive. Like it's it's nice that how much one person can change and uh, like how much uh, change one one person can cause. Like uh, like you said, she she moved away and then came back uh, to to Turkey after. What's what's the word I'm looking for? The political situation kind of settled down a little bit. I also um, uh, heard that at that point, people in Turkey started to really like reclaim her as like, yes, uh, we've got our, our our famously publicly out trans person, um, which we're going to claim now uh, to to show how uh, progressive we are. Um, even though they only started doing that. After Bülent Ersoy already got some international uh, recognition because of her uh, acting career and stuff. Yeah, but uh, the, I don't think it was an issue of like uh, embracing a trans woman, but rather than it was an issue of embracing the country's diva. Right. Because uh, like Bülent Ersoy was always and still um, become like showed the people that. Uh, trans women are women, uh, and uh, they they showed the people 
that uh, she is uh, a, a very strong woman uh, just uh, having uh, just reclaiming her life i think that was the story uh, she gave us uh, apart from uh, kind of very um, like the identity politics or lgbti politics she was never actually engaged in lgbti politics but she showed an example that a very strong woman Uh, is reclaiming her life and reclaiming her empire and uh, just uh, creating herself uh, from uh, ashes actually creating herself from somewhere very uh, traumatic uh, and rising like a phoenix uh, and uh, in our country actually we like mythological figures we are kind of a very mystic uh, society and Blantyre is one of them, uh, I guess. She's like, um, she's like our phoenix in a way, and she became a symbol of the coup too in the eyes. Like uh, the military coup just uh, caused real prob real problems in the society, and when she returned, it was a sign of normalization. Yes, now we are over the military regime. Now it is a different era, and she was the beacon of that era. Oh, wow. That's actually real fun uh, or like real impressive how one person can kind of like how how one person can capture the the recent history of one country is does that still apply? Like is the current the current life of Bilinter Soy, the way that she's living her day to day still representative of, let's say, a Turkey's view on on queer people? Uh, that's a hard and tricky question. I'm not so sure. Um, What is the current state of queer people in Turkey? Well, it is really hard. Like, after 2015, uh, I can easily say that the government and state has a very strong anti anti-LGBTI agenda. And uh, the attacks on the Pride March, the ban on any kind of LGBTI events for years and... A lot of things is happening, like including torture, maltreatment and cases against queer people. And like as a journalist, my whole day is about uh, a, a hate crime, torture, bans, police attack. Like this, this is the summary of my life uh, nowadays after 2015. Before that, like in 2014 and for the 13th. We organized Pride March in Istanbul with the participation of a hundred thousand people, which was huge, by the way. Like that. That, that is huge. Like that, that was my happiest day, 2013, and I remember the crowd. I remember the power, but. Uh, The government started attacking LGBTI movement, and Blantyre's situation is kind of ambiguous. I don't expect her to be uh, like a symbol of LGBTI movement or support LGBTI movement openly, because she had done a lot for the com community uh, in the 90s. She had done a lot, uh, even though th there is always a criticism towards Blantar Soy, uh, saying that she wasn't helping uh, other like trans women or she wasn't openly like uh, advocating for rights. But like she has a strong connection with the president too. 
like many of the actually musicians in Turkey, it is the rule of uh, law in Turkey. If you wanna keep up your career, when the president calls you, you go there. So she she went there too, and I don't think that's a huge problem. But usually, uh, some queer people are criticizing, and also leftists love to criticize Bülent Ersoy because of she her political views or uh, her position, but. I don't think that is the issue with Lantar Soy. I think with her art and with her um, very existence, she had done a lot, and I'm not expecting anything more from her. It's it's good enough to know that there is a very strong woman who is the diva of the country that I can relate to. And even though politically I'm the oppo- in the opposite uh, edge of uh, with, with with her, and secondly, uh, it is enough for queer people to uh, ver- while drinking rakı, uh, opening up a Bülent Ersoy song and uh, just hugging each other. Uh, I think that's enough. That, uh, that that that's enough for a person to do. So. I can be a little bit delusional when it's about Bülent Ersoy because I'm a huge fan, but that that is my approach. You also you also mentioned uh, 2013 being an important year, like also because of the the the the Pride events and like the the Casey Park protests, if I if I'm not mistaken. So has there been any positive shifts since then? Well, um, 2009 until 2015, there were a lot of positive shifts in the society. Actually, that was the result of like the effort of the LGBTI movement. Like in 2014, as Chaos GL, we organized events in uh, 37 cities of the country. And Turkey has 81 cities, which means half of the country. And some of them were very conservative and small cities. And I personally went to 25 cities and uh, most of the actually conservative cities because uh, I'm used to getting beat up. Uh, and uh, if something happens, that would be uh, another uh, thing that in, in, involves in my story. I, I wasn't minding going to that cities. And um, I see there is still a change in the society. But the issue now is more political. In 2015, they attacked, uh, the, the police attacked Istanbul Pride March. In 2016, Islamic State threatened Chaos GL. In 2017, state of emergency, there was a ban on any kind of LGBTI events in the uh, in uh, Ankara, the capital. We opened up a case, we won the case, but now there is uh, we are in a situation that uh, the politics and the government is trying to suppress the change in the society, but the change is still there. So it is kind of an ambivalent situation going on. I think uh, the efforts of the LGBTI movement and also allies like other political parties, labor unions, um, NGOs, human rights uh, associations, feminist women's organizations, uh, that kind of allies uh, uh, will uh, show us the future. Because now there is a kind of a balance that Uh, government is trying to suppress any kind of LGBTI event, 
but there is a like strong LGBTI movement and we are in a situation that, uh, that there is an ambivalence in the society to change that actually to cut that tie I think we need more allies in the country alright with that word out there let's move on to track number two we've talked about uh, one diva let's move on to the next one um, Material Girl by Madonna herself track from 1984 from the Virgin album um, why specifically Madonna Elise well Madonna is like the icon and diva and this is not a surprising fact actually <laughs> when we ask the queer people around mm-hmm. the country uh, like the most of them will say Madonna some of them will say Lady Gaga And as Madonna fans, we will uh, hate the Lady Gaga fans, and there will be a war. <laughs> <laughs> I think Madonna. Like going back and forth between <laughs> yeah. the two. I was um, I was looking uh, looking into it, like why specifically Madonna? Um, because I know that she's like huge in like the queer community and like the queer scene. And I was always wondering why. I thought it was just a straight, just another straight woman with songs about. Uh, and empowerment and like a catchy pop tune but she's always been pretty active when it comes to queer activism too even though she herself is in fact as far as we know a straight cis woman yes definitely and like in the uh, early like in the late 80s and early 90s uh, she was very um, with the HIV issue she was very vocal about it everyone was silent about uh, HIV so-called HIV crisis and the stigmatization was ongoing and uh, she was one of the few voices that can uh, op- like speak openly about HIV issues and um, and her story about like the with the Vatican she is being a Catholic and uh, 
she was actually excommunicated and she made a song about it, Papa Don't Preach. Uh, she was censored, uh, her uh, erotica uh, album. She just uh, just uh, had a book on it and just uh, give everyone uh, to uh, that. And her whole career career about was about fighting against conservatism and uh, supporting queer rights. I think that that is very important because now uh, in certain countries it is the easy choice to um, support uh, LGBTI people, uh, queer people, LGBTI rights because there's profit in there. But she was doing that uh, when there wasn't profit and actually she was coming up from a drag ball scene And she, it's not a, an issue of like an outsider's gaze looking into that. Um, I can really see uh, that she is, uh, she was part of the queer community, uh, not maybe in the level of sexual orientation or gender identity, but in the level of uh, that solidarity, that um, looking through uh, that issues and. Uh, Her whole career is uh, just uh, say, uh, like making love of the people uh, who are uh, against her and uh, just uh, being uh, the one Madonna. And uh, even now she is uh, like uh, uh, she had a, like in her uh, in a, what was the song? Bitch, I'm Madonna, which is uh, a very uh, mm -hmm. like powerful song like saying uh, against ageism and after that she had a whole uh, album and I loved uh, the song like um, Medellin and many other songs she's trying new things she's always inventing stuff and I think that is uh, one side of the story on a personal level uh, in the 90s when I was uh, a child um, 80s Madonna came to Turkey in the 90s Uh, so uh, I've always thought like Material Girl was from 90s when you said now <laughs> it's uh, 80s. Uh, I was a little bit surprised because uh, that song came to Turkey in the 90s. Right, yeah. Uh, actually, and I started, uh, th there was MTV in Turkey. MTV was opened and uh, it was a huge thing to see her dancing and I loved Vogue, I loved many other songs, but Material Girl uh, was uh, the song that I saw, uh, like, it's kind of very similar to Blant Ersoy too, the Mazalla. Uh, uh, that there is a very strong figure there, and just the look in her eyes to the world was so powerful, so arrogant, so sassy, that uh, I was... Very uh, happy to see that uh, there. And I actually practiced that sassy look. I wanted to be like Madonna and look uh, to the men and look to everyone there. Even when I was a, a child, I actually I got beaten up by that too. My Madonna impersonation uh, was not uh, like uh, liked by my uh, fellow uh, friends, but still I continued that uh, impression. And uh, that is why I think Madonna is my uh, all-time queer artist. She will always be. If we're gonna, if we're gonna link that to your own queer experience like um how um how what's what's the overlap here like were you a very extravagant little kid and listening to madonna tr trying to do all the dances and stuff after that uh, actually when i was uh, 13 or 14 i quit madonna i started uh, listening punk rock and metal and 
I was that angry kid. And um, after uh, my, like, after 25, I returned to Madonna. And it was interesting to see that when I returned, I was still having that feeling of that sassy kid, being that sassy kid, like, looking at everyone. And um, nice. the most important thing with Madonna for me is that she's not doing stuff for the sake of performance. She is doing stuff because she wanted. There is a clip of her uh, just uh, she is in a car with a famous comedian. I don't remember his name. She is just opening up the window and uh, she is just showing her legs to everyone and shouting. And this is not uh, something she is doing for uh, the performance. She is doing for attention and she is doing for because she wanted. And that is like the story of my queerness. I'm an attention whore and I'm doing things because I want to do. So what is your own queer experience? How do you uh, experience gender? Well, I am a non-binary person, but I've recently actually discovered the very term non-binary. Uh, in 2009, I come out as transgender and... Um, I was saying back in those days, I'm not a trans woman, I'm not a trans man. I just use the word trans still there because I don't think I fit into the categories of men or women. And I don't enjoy uh, fitting in that uh, categories. I, I want to do whatever I want and uh, I want to just uh, show my body. I want to change my body and return to there. I Sometimes I just want to wear a skirt with my beard on. Sometimes I just shave all the beard, put up a very heavy uh, drag makeup and just go into the street and passing, actually. When I come out, uh, the term cross-dresser, CD, was very common among the country. And I was saying, uh, I am uh, your, uh, like, uh, hometown CD. Uh, would you like to try me? That was my, uh, actually, <laughs> phrase in uh, Grindr. Uh, and um, now I realize that the term non-binary is more uh, reflecting my gender. But still, I see non-binary as... Like as I see trans as a like umbrella term and non-binary is somewhere there. And right. I see gender as a travel, actually. Like it's not it's just like a traveling across the road and everyone uh, has different roads. Someone wants to reach somewhere. Someone wants to go somewhere as fast as possible. Someone wants to just uh, like to just uh, go very slowly, having just uh, lots of breaks. Someone don't have a destination. Someone just wants to return to themselves. And this is all journey, actually. And my journey is uh, kind of a very chaotic one. Uh, wanna go somewhere, but end up in somewhere else because I was drunk. Or uh, yeah, yeah. Th th I think that's my uh, uh, gender, uh, like the uh, the state of uh, being drunk and uh, hangover. So um, did you experience gender differently in the different phases throughout your life? For example, when you uh, were a kid listening to Madonna, did you feel differently about yourself than when you were listening to punk and metal? Well... When I was a kid uh, listening to Madonna, I uh, I felt like a very uh, small uh, girl 
and uh, I was deeply believing that uh, one day uh, just uh, I will marry to a guy and I will be my uh, like uh, homes on uh, like uh, lady and etc. And I had that kind of feelings uh, and um, when I started like after 13 or 14 trigger warning I had a Some bad th- things happened to me, actually. I uh, wasn't very cool with myself and I was really harsh to myself. I I I hurt myself. Th- th- that's all I think. I don't want to deep dive into. Uh, and Yeah, you don't have to share any uncomfortable details if you don't want to. Don't worry. And after that, there was an anger inside me. I was really angry and Madonna was not enough. And um, I was really angry to the society because I was angry at me and I, I saw that it's not working. If I, I'm going to angry uh, at me that it, it's, it won't work. And I was really angry to society and that punk face was helping me to just uh, channel that angerness. And at those times, I started to feel like, okay, I'm not a girl. I'm not a boy. I'm something in between. And... I started wearing makeup, uh, like uh, with that black eye makeup, like uh, very uh, harsh and dark ma- makeup on my eyes. And I was wearing some like black lipsticks. And that was another phase of queerness, actually. And um, I was wearing whole uh, black, but uh, there were some actually glitter <laughs> in uh, some places. Still, there there was that Madonna girl. Mm-hmm. And uh, after the college, I think uh, everything settled down. And I said, I don't have to be a man or a woman. I just have to be me. And uh, I started to like playing with myself, having different personas, different styles, different uh, kind of expressions uh, about my uh, gender. And uh, that that gave me comfort. But still, I have that uh, anger, by the way. I'm a very angry person. Like um, three weeks ago, there was a case uh, like in 2006, uh, Uh, a mob attacked trans woman and the case still continues and we were at the case I I was there as a journalist and the police attacked us and uh, interestingly police stole my phone uh, to avoid me recording and oh wow it was like I was first shocked and I started yelling at the police actually I yelled at the police for half an hour and saying that give me your name I'm gonna open up a case against you You can't do that to me. You Do you know who I am? That's my phrase to the police, by the way, every time when I got arrested. <laughs> I say, do you know who I am? And if they say, who are you? I don't have an answer. But that is the attitude I got from Van Tersoy and Madonna. <laughs> I feel like every queer person should just try that. Like whenever something is going down and whatever protest, just yell at the police, do you know who <laughs> I am? And see how... Uh, see how they react and if they're afraid good they should be uh, either because we are very powerful people or we're gonna throw some bricks at them and yes actually he was afraid and uh, one of my friends went and will you take uh, Yildiz's phone back or uh, you see like Yildiz is mad and the police said okay take that phone I don't want to deal with you that's amazing that's amazing 
Um, so yeah, nowadays you're you're channeling your anger into activism. Um, um, I don't even remember if we already mentioned this, but you're also part of a group called uh, Chaos GL. Um, yes. Uh, would you mind talking a little bit about that, please? Chaos, Chaos GL is actually the uh, one of the first LGBTI organizations founded in '94, and. Uh, Uh, the first one who registered as an association. We are working like in several fields like human rights, reporting, um, arts and culture, art exhibitions, uh, refugee rights, uh, counseling, uh, media and communications and uh, organizing trainings and organizing actually networks uh, like of social workers, lawyers, psychologists, uh, doctors to um, aid uh, Uh, queer people and also continue activism and I have been in the chaos for like six years before that in Istanbul I was part of Lambda Istanbul so I have been in the movement for more than a decade and mainly I am the chief editor of our online magazine uh, chaosgel.org which is a daily updated LGBTI uh, news site on like Focusing on actually rights and activism, right? And and on that website, you also published a open letter to your younger self, which I thought was a really cool thing to yes, do. Yes, yes. Uh, What was the motivation behind that? Well, I started therapy. <laughs> that was one motivation, and my therapist was obsessed with my childhood, and um, I. Actually, last year, uh, at uh, there is a national uh, Children's Day in Turkey, April 23rd. And uh, as queer activists, we had a campaign and uh, we just shared our childhood photos and uh, we, we were talking to our childhood selves and it caused a huge backlash and the hate was unbearable in the social media and there were many like... Uh, uh, statements coming from the politicians and one year later at the same day I wanted to deal with that hate I don't want to have a memory of my childhood uh, just polluted with uh, that hate mongering so I started to write uh, that uh, song and I w wanted to reconnect with my childhood because my childhood was not very good and um, as I mentioned I was really alone but apart from that loneliness my mother was sick and every, well, everything was going uh, on and uh, and I didn't have any like dreams for my future but in my first pride march it was my also April 23rd children's day because Uh, I, as in the uh, article I said, we walked as two persons that day uh, and me and my childhood, a world defying, Lassie, Sassy, Lubunya, which means queer and a lonely child. And uh, I wanted to just um, reconnect with my childhood and uh, apologize to that childhood because I, when I grew up and become 
this person, I tend to forget my, my childhood and I tend to forget that there are still childs who are experiencing the same things, uh, believing that uh, that, uh, that they are faulty, they're blaming themselves and uh, they, they, they, they believe that there, there is going, there isn't no escape from that life. But uh, when I look to my childhood, yes, everything hasn't changed in a day, but little by little, uh, I created my own family. Now I'm living with two of my best friends. One is my actually uh, mother. I call her uh, mother. She she told me everything about being a queer. And uh, we have a dog, Bobby, who thinks uh, he is not a dog, uh, but he's an equal person, which we strongly uh, approve. And <laughs> so th th that is my family. And That family is the like uh, the most important thing in my life. So when I uh, formed my own family, I wanted to return to my childhood and just say that I'm sorry, little Yildiz, uh, but it will all pass. That's so beautiful and wholesome. Thank you for sharing that. It's about time we're moving on to the third track, the f best concert experience, a band called Vega, a track called is Birakanlar Uno Tulmas. Am I pronouncing that right? Kind of. Is Birakanlar Uno Tulmas. Alright, thank you. Close enough. A track from 2002, uh, again, the band is called Vega. Um, paint the picture for me, when, when, how, where, why did you see this band? Yes, uh, I saw the band actually in uh, their first year, 2003. I was uh, 12 uh, years old. I was in my punk phase. Uh, starting my punk phase and uh, Vega uh, was uh, the uh, group that I was listening to and crying because their whole songs were both angry and both sad 
and uh, Vega was uh, as a group they were telling a love story uh, in every song they were telling some love stories that are not validated that are kind of uh, forbidden and I started to relate that because uh, at those times I was falling in love with my old friends and uh, it, they were all platonic but uh, I was falling in love basically everyone actually <laughs> around me and uh, but they weren't uh, they weren't very happy stories so I needed some sad stories to listen to and uh, cry and Vega was that actually that group uh, in those um, times and that songs means a lot too because uh, the verse uh, if I can translate says that just is some part of the verse say burn burn of burn us all because uh, uh, just um, leave a mark because who leaves a mark uh, won't be like forgotten this this is just a very rough translation but it's very poetic in Turkish so um, it was good to hear that uh, song but the concert actually I went to their concert uh, three years ago the band was actually disbanded after their second album uh, but there were still uh, fans of Vega around the country just asking come together and we are we want a new album and they made a new album two or three years ago And I was in Bursa, uh, the city where I grew up. I returned to there, not to my family house, but my friend's house. And uh, we saw that Vega is coming to Bursa. And it was, it felt like a circle just to go to that concert and listen to the group that I was listening when I was very young and um, having that uh, like feelings. We went to concert. Uh, it was uh, in around uh, like students uh, around the campus. Uh, actually, it was a very small uh, club, but it was so crowded. There wasn't anyone and Uh, we like as a group of queer people we were the stars of the show by the way uh, we were dan- I bet you were yeah we were dancing we were going to the like uh, the um, we were uh, very close to the stage and uh, we were getting naked we were drunk and on the tables yelling shouting and everyone was looking to us and Vega was looking to us too <laughs> and She was just uh, uh, telling some songs to us. She was clapping back and it felt like a dream to uh, return to that memory with uh, that uh, kind of power. And uh, at the end of the, uh, by the way, um, concert, I was with my uh, drag daughter. She is a very uh, like um, beautiful and smart trans woman, uh, which I adopted. Uh, Daphne, she was so drunk that She, she she didn't remember anything and we were uh, sitting in the ladders. Uh, she was just uh, trying to sleep and I was shouting to the handsome guy saying that, do you want to fuck my daughter? Wow. Just come here. <laughs> and she was just laughing. Of course, that uh, never happened. That was just uh, a <laughs> joke there. But we were so drunk that we were just yelling, everyone, do you want to fuck us? Come here. And But at the end of the day, we went to home as a three queer person. Uh, and we were so drunk that uh, nasty things happened. We vomited. <laughs> we helped each other. And the next day, it was a huge hangover. 
Uh, but Vega was um, that circle the, to just feel uh, that that circle was complicated was good. And at the concert, they were not planning to actually play that song. Is Brakanlar Untulmaz? We begged them to uh, play, and they played. Um, that sounds like a a fucking riot. Um, like it. Uh, to be honest, if you start. Getting naked, like if you start to undress in like a, a club in the Netherlands and you take off any more than your shirt, you're probably just gonna get kicked out because holy shit. Um, is that a thing that's normal that can just happen there? Well, uh, we were not fully naked, all right, uh, all right, fair. We, we, we had just our underwears, other than we were naked, wow. and it's not. I think it depends on where you are going and what's going on and uh, it depends on the place and we knew the actually owner of the club. It was not a queer club, but we knew them All and right, that, would help. Uh, that helped a little bit, I can say. Um, so out of the four songs you picked today, um, four of them are in Turkish. Um, I can... Um, make an educated guess here and say that you are very much into the lyrics of all of the songs, like that you're very much a lyrical person. Is that true? Yes, yes. I'm very into the lyrics and the feeling that I got from the song. And um, I, I I like to think the songs as a, like uh, some music with poems in a way. Uh, and I like that uh, poetic part of the uh, uh, songs and music and uh, but sometimes I like for example a lot of uh, songs in Farsi uh, like Mahsavadat uh, Haleli which is a very strong song I recommend to everyone even though I don't understand the words I got that feeling from there that and I think the most important thing is the emotions uh that it sounds uh, with me if it resonates with me uh, that's okay even but like when i was a little child when i don't know like english uh, that well i uh, listened bon jovi's it's my life and i didn't understand anything but i loved the song because it was giving me a, like a kind of a feeling later on i uh, learned that is my life what it is my life means and etc so i think the most important is lyrics and the emotions so you know as a little kid you were listening to it's my life bon bon jovi without understanding a single word and you were thinking like yes it is my life yes that is that is like the correct term and Uh, we had a huge music uh, set, uh, by the way. Uh, we didn't have so much technological gadgets in our ho home, but uh, our music uh, set with uh, cassettes and actually uh, it had a CD too, CD part two, which was uh, one of the first in our neighborhood. And we were very proud of it, uh, that we have a huge set uh, of uh, that both plays cassettes and CDs. Uh, and... Uh, I was opening to the music to the loudest part and all the neighborhood was listening to and I was shouting, it's my life, which was nice. Right. Um, before we're moving on to the last uh, track of the day, um, is there anything that we 
have missed out on? Because we've almost been recording for an hour, time flies. Are there things you feel like we still need to mention? I think the last song would be a good uh, ending. All right. Well, um, Yildiz, do you want to have the honors and um, introduce the last track for today? Yes. The last track is coming from Ankaralı Yasemin. Motor Geliyor, which means motor is coming. Uh, this is a very regional song. This is a song uh, coming from Ankara music culture. And this is a song of pavilions, like pavilion underground bars that mostly so-called uh, cis, uh, like hetero males go and women are dancing. But if you look at the clip, I think you will see what I see. That uh, yeah, Ankara Yasemin and that dance and that culture is something that I I started to relate to. So have fun, and uh, I think you will love Yasemin, and you will see that Yasemin is, is one of the rarest uh, persons who can be both butch and femme at the same time. All right, um, cool. All right, yeah, let's wrap up for today in that case. Um, as always, this has been Queer Sounds. Uh, thank you again so much for listening. You can support this show on patreon.com slash queersounds, where you can get access to stickers and the Queer Sounds Discord. Um, you can give us a follow on the uh, socials uh, at Queer Sounds Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Um I feel like I'm forgetting something. Um, if you want to get get in touch, you can also just fill in the contact form on uh, queersounds.com. If you like this and you want to support the show non-financially, you can do so by just telling a friend about it, sharing the word. Um, and um, I don't know, like if you get in touch, be like, hey, I don't want to, I don't want to become a patron, but I'd still like some stickers. We can, you can get in touch and, we can figure something out. Um, all right, last track for today, Ankarali Yasemin. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.
Altyazı M.K.